T-minus 25 seconds. 20 seconds and counting. T-minus 15 seconds. Guidance is internal. 12, 11, 10, 9. Ignition sequence start. 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. 32 minutes past the hour. Tower cleared. Here we got a roll program. And as Apollo 11 does its roll program, this podcast now does its roll program. The tape is rolling. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world. My name is Grant Cameron, and you're listening to the Paranormal UFO Consciousness Podcast. Thank you for taking time from your life to be here. the secrets. This is Universal Secrets with Tiffany Mack and Kevin Hale. It's Tuesday night. You know what that means. It's Tiffany Tuesday? Oh, wait. No. Universal Secrets. Let's get the ego out of the way. Okay. I know. Universal Secrets, Tiffany Mack, Kevin Hill here on this Tuesday night, July 13th, 2021. How are you, my friend? I'm doing good. Now, what was funny is, you know, I talked to my mom the other day about these little hashtag things that we've been using. And she says that we should use uh, McHale, which was something from uh, a movie back in, I don't know if it was the 70s or the 80s. I've never seen it. But uh, it was like McHale Navy or something like that. Um, Maybe we should check that out. McHale. I, I, there's a, I'm going to, I don't think I'm going out on a limb here. I'm probably 99.9% sure one of our guests can, you know, answer what the movie was. Prob- probably. He's, yeah. that, uh, he's that cool. Mm-hmm. Um, we are Universal Street Secrets Ugh. live streaming on our Facebook, Twitch, YouTube channels, the video, so we can see Tiffany Mack. 
those red lips. Mm -hmm. And the audio is streaming on Earth Radio. Uh, our friends at Earth Radio, thanks for doing that and hanging with us. Uh, got a good show, fun show. One of the these are uh, it's the first time we get to to meet Nikki. I think I can call her Nikki. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, you know, Grant Cameron's on too, and you know he's one of my go tos for you know ufology, All everything, the details. everything. You can mm -hmm. always count on on Grant to hooking us up. But um, before we do that, we have to give uh, a shout out to our audience again. You know, streaming live, and we always have uh, people in the chat room. Who's playing along with us tonight, Timmy? Well, we have a lot of people in the chat tonight already. They all seem to start logging in a few minutes ahead of time. Uh, we've got Andy Morrow, Bobby Burgess. We've got uh, Marco, Genghis. Let's see, Erica. We've got Maria Duff. Let's see, Ron. Of course, Ron's in there and Sherry Trimble. And I saw Colleen, Queen Colleen's in there. And Sherry, we're not doing shots until we say the word wow, just so you know. The word tonight is wow. Is it well? <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I started that on a Monday night show, the uh, the entity voice. Is that entity? Entity or, voices, yeah. yes. Yeah, because they were showing all this great evidence. And, you know, I was, everyone was saying wow. And I was like, let's do a shot every time. Yeah, well, tonight we're doing shots of ginger beer, which does not contain alcohol. So we're going to be sober the whole night with can you guys. Can you call, still call that beer? No, I guess not. But is yeah. it, does it say it on the, does it say it on the can? Beer? It says beer, but it's just yeah. like a fermented ginger on like a true ginger ale. So speaking yeah. of ginger, Friday night, you know, we ran into each other at a Japanese mm -hmm. restaurant. Mm -hmm. I get that, um, you know, their house salad that has the ginger dressing. Love it. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. Some of them have really, really good ginger dressing. And then when you go to others, they're not as impressive. But Fuji's has really good ginger dressing. Well, yeah. It's all about impressing like you. So I'm, <laughs> I'm on my A game tonight. And, you know, I'm pretty sure, pretty damn sure our guests will bring it as well. So. Tiffany, who do we have tonight? You you help set, or actually not help, you set this up, so share. So tonight we have uh, Grant Cameron, uh, White House UFO, great guy, um, who has actually given me a lot of really good information through the years. We actually connected back in 2015 or 2016, um, and then Kevin and I invited him on to show in 2016 and we got to speak to him and it was a great two hour show. Um, and it was just the, Friday the beginning. Night yeah. It was the beginning. 10 o'clock at 10 mm -hmm. after 10 Eastern time. Mm -hmm. we're yeah. Eastern. Who, who does live paranormal shows on a Friday night? We do. We do. But we, <laughs> but we have a lot of fun. We had a lot of fun. Then. Yes, we did. And you know, at one point you had mentioned, oh, I think it was every other win every other Friday, but it wasn't. It was every Friday night. What? So, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. And then we have Nicole, who is his lovely assistant. We'll call her the assistant, but she is a ufologist in her own right. And we are excited to, to have them on. So let's bring them in. Click the button. I can do the button. There he is. And there she is. All right, come on. Who's clicking who? Sorry. 
Okay, let's take her for some reason. Because, okay, Nicole, yeah. you're on mute, so yeah. unmute yourself. Did she already? She already yeah. gave some warning about the background, so she might have had background <laughs> static. You know. Static. Oh, okay. <laughs> yes, that's right. Grant, how are you, sir? Beautiful. A uh, little point on your introduction. Uh, you had the word is wow. I have a whole theory called the theory of wow, <laughs> which I think is what the UFOs is all about, and I'm going to actually write a book someday called the theory of wow let's hear it let's start it let's start with that how could you how could you not start with that tell us about your wow theory will you do uh, the foreword whatever the that thing is tiffany you just kind of did it I mean, he could I did take, it. um yeah it's um the, i guess the, the first thing i mean you go through all the different steps of uh different paranormal ufo phenomena the first one is ufos why do UFOs have lights on them? So you can see them. We don't have any lights on our craft. They want you to see them. They want you to go, as I did in 1975, wow, what's going on here? And it bothered me, and I fell off the down the rabbit hole. And so you see all this paranormal phenomena. Why did they take the blood out of the cow? Because if they don't, you're not going to pay any attention. And you start looking at all the phenomena, and you're going, as Bob Bigelow, if you, if you saw the interview with George Knapp, he asked Bob Bigelow, okay, you had Skin Rocker Ranch years. What was it all about? And Bigelow didn't skip a beat. He said, messaging. It was all about messaging. It was about gaming and messaging. That's exactly the theory of wow. Is they're trying to get your attention. They're trying to get you to go, are we alone? Like, what's going on? Because we're making all these assumptions about how the world works. And because there's an anomaly, I say, when there's an anomaly, either... Um, uh, it indicates to you that something's wrong with your worldview. The way they explained it to me, my sort of noetic download I got was to say, not only is what you've got wrong, it's exactly the opposite of what you think. You think you know how it works. You have no clue how it works. And you've got all the wrong blocks. So we're assuming that we have all the right blocks. You just need a, one more block that we put in here, and then we'll figure the whole thing out when, in fact, we got the whole thing wrong. Or if you take Max Planck, who invented, invented quantum physics, Professor Jolly, 1874, famous, don't go into physics. We've, we've explained everything already. It's a total waste of time. We, we've got it. Or, or uh, Lord Kelvin at the end of the, eight, in the beginning of the 20th century said, uh, all we have to do left in, we've got everything figured out in, in science. All we have to do is take it to six decimal places. Or the guy who ran the, um, the, the um, patent, the head of the patent office, 1915, said everything that has been invented has been invented. So the anomalies tell you something's wrong and that's why they do this weird stuff and it gets really weird and it just makes you scratch your head or you can ask someone when they had their sighting, they can tell you exactly what day it was, exactly where they were, where the craft was and it just flips them off the edge. And so I call it the theory of wow where they're just doing or the, the trickster thing or however you want to describe it, they just do this really, really weird thing. Like Nicole and I are doing a book together. It's about to come out on triangles. So you have triangles that are like Two miles across. Why do you need a trail that's that big? If you're the government, why would you have a craft that's that big? Because they want you to go, as it's in Phoenix, you could have landed every 747 around on that craft. It was that big. And they flew it. Why did they fly it 200 feet off the ground across Phoenix, Arizona? They want everybody to go, wow, what the heck is going on? 
So that's the theory of wow. It basically says they're not doing anything. They're just making you go wow. They're just trying to get your attention and they're trying, whoever this intelligence is, I have a different opinion of what it is, but uh, it, that's what they're trying to do is they're just trying to get your attention and you realize there's an anomaly. You realize you've something that you believe is wrong. And when we figure it out, then we start to understand how reality actually works. Now you said something about gaming. Do you mean gaming as in the wildlife gaming or trick like trickster games? I think online. Games. Well, like uh, Bigelow, I, I'm just guessing because Bigelow is the one that said it, but I'm I'm assuming it's the the idea that that it's like a game, uh, and okay. you hear this in in the idea that you are you are an actor on a stage, you are not the actor. You're just playing an actor on the stage. It's all all the world's a stage, said Shakespeare. All the men and women and aliens are but actors. They have their entrances and exits, and each man plays many roles. And you have to realize you are not the actor on the stage. You are an etheric being that's coming in and pretending you're a human. They're coming in and pretending they're aliens, and it's all a big game. You'll hear this over and over again And when it comes to reality theory. is It's all just a big rea a game, and a lot of alien people that are, you, are being channeled will tell you that. This is just a big elusive, a big game, and it's it's not what I think it is. Kevin, do you remember our conversation the other day? The one that I said, don't let me forget to ask Grant about. <laughs> it, it, it'll come to me. But okay. I, could just, I could just say now, I, I was we were joking about doing a shot every time we said say the word wow. Yeah, we would have been plastered. Every 10th tenth time we say it. <laughs> but you know, the, Grant once again is bringing, look, we're only, what, a few minutes in. All yeah. this knowledge he's bringing on. I know. People watching in the chat room. There will be a quiz at the end of the show. Just, just saying. I, I just so don't have a life. I, this is all I, I've done since 1975. Okay, I'm gonna are. I'm gonna run something by you guys because you guys are are definitely some very um, intelligent uh, researchers that I, I I give a lot of credit to and and I appreciate your hard work. So I'm going to run this by you, and this is just something that popped into my head the other day and. And I, I ran it by Kevin and, and maybe this is the ditzy blonde. Yes, I did get my hair redone today. So the blonde has soaked in. And I, I think that what I was thinking was all of the, the experiencers that I've communicated with, all of the people who have been in our situation, who have seen UFOs, seen entities, been visited, whatever the case may be. What if we were all programmed to be this way? And and when I say programmed, like um, you mentioned trained, nanobots. What did I, what did I mention? Nanobots. Nanobots. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> so what I've been hearing lately is talking about nanobots and their use in the human body. You know, they've been using them for a, a, a wide variety of reasons, but now we're talking about people that have these nanobots inside their bodies. What if we're being programmed to see these things and tested to see how well they can communicate what they want us to see, but not just in the reality that we believe it to be. We believe that it is these alien entities coming in and, and making some sort of contact. But what if there's like some big grander scam or scheme behind it? And I know this goes into the negative agenda of what the potential um, 
you know, there's there's a big potential behind that. And I, I don't know which one it's going to be. I don't know if it's the military slash government uh, who are doing some big covert project that is uh, bleeding going into with our normal society and people are just being sucked in. I don't know if maybe... I guess I'm I'm trying to figure out. There's two ways to think about it. Either I am being visited by alien entities and that seems so far-fetched in my sane mind or there's something else going on and it's an it's a um the military which I've been involved with throughout my life. Have they come in and done something to me to where I am a- able to be programmed and they're using that to make me feel like I am seeing aliens. Is this crazy? This is crazy talk. And then I don't know how to rationalize these because this is something that we talk about and we believe aliens are visiting us. We believe UFOs are in the sky. We also know that the U.S. government and governments around the world have craft that are secret that are also flying out there that are also being seen by people. What do you what are your thoughts on this grant and tell me and I and the only reason I'm saying this is because you do like to look deeper into a topic and I think that maybe you would have some insight into this. Please feel let, free let to Nicole go first. I, I've got Okay. Yeah. Nicole okay. go first and then I will I will take it. Um Hi, everybody. I guess what <laughs> I could jump off with is I was having similar thoughts um, a few weeks ago with the arrival of um, a few articles that made it into mainstream media about the, the new wave of what they're doing with CRISPR gene editing and CRISPR being utilized to fight diseases like cancer and how instantaneously that it's working. And so I kind of couple that with where, like you were saying, nanobots, and we're trying, we're seeing those being used for the first time, really, Mm -hmm. for medical purposes. And it just makes me spin it into, like, have we seen an advancement in alien implants and are we using that knowledge maybe for our own human gain you know with our own technology because i do kind of believe that we can't figure out alien tech so that's kind of where i go with that but i don't think the theory of could an implant be used to control you or make you see a visual? I don't think that's too far-fetched. No. And I think that the the way that I'm I'm envisioning this, I had a whole vision of sort of like Truman Show, and they have the projected screen of the sun right. and the moon and the stars and everything. And 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 it was all a facade, right? You've you're mm-hmm. you were in this matrix that was totally created just to watch this one human, right? Mm-hmm. And I I guess my thoughts are just so baffled because the potential <laughs> is there. Do you know what I'm saying? Right. I would say to what ends though. I mean, is any mass manipulation? experiencer so special like i mean do you have your own version of like alien tv is you know that's oh so no, are no. they but 
I tend to follow the theories that all this projection, like what each of us see comes from this consciousness, this shared consciousness that we have, not necessarily the entire tech part of it. I think mm -hmm. it can manifest physically, but I think that's part of this consciousness control that they have that we do not have. <laughs> yeah, that's good. So, Grant, what are your thoughts? Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, to me, it's basically, I, I go on the noetic material that I was given, and basically it comes down to what Max Planck said early on, there is no thing as matter as such. Consciousness is primary. Nothing gets behind consciousness. It's all consciousness. And this concept, there is no time. There is no space. It's all this big sort of um, play. So you you start looking. I, I uh, got to got contacted by uh, Sarsan Stepson, who's an experiencer. And he the beings that he was dealing with uh, uh, told him that when we come into your world, we go into your head and we see what's in your head. And what's ever in your head is what we use to teach you a lesson. So they're going to play off whatever you believe. So if you're in fear, they're going to use fear to teach you a lesson. They say they have no choice. That's all they can do. I actually posted a couple of days ago. I went through this whole thing. And I always say, you know, people always talk about ET, ET. And if you listen to Lou Elizondo and you listen to all this sort of stuff, they're always saying, no, we're not going to say it's, it's ET. We're not going to say off world. Don't talk about aliens. And I think one of the reasons for that is I maintain there was a program that was, that was, uh, um, the contract was run by Bigelow. There was eight people. Kit Green was one. Nolan was another. They were looking at experiencers and they were basically looking at the whole uh, concept of uh, interdimensionality, um, this whole idea. And actually, political newspaper wrote it. Uh, Bender, and nobody's picked up on this. Bender wrote that there, the, the Defense Department had a program that looked at, um, is this here? So, because if there's no time and space, so if I predict that you're going to have a car accident tomorrow, there's something wrong with our concept of space or as time. And the whole idea, is there time and space? Or is it, as the mystics say, all one thing? Everything is like a deck of cards. Everything's happening at the same time. There's only here now. There's no time. There's no space. Everything's happening inside your head. All this kind of stuff. So they were working on this program. Is it here, but in a different here? Like you're a radio with different frequencies and you just turn into the different frequencies. So when people have out-of-body experiences, the idea is you're not going anywhere. You're going inside yourself. When you die, you go inside yourself. And when you start looking at the ET thing, so I say to people, okay, if you really believe this is ET, and in 1895, 1896, and 1897, there was a bunch of airships. And some people have the estimate of up to 10,000, which is almost as many sightings as there was in Blue Book in that time period and they had wooden ships and they had these big giant lights and they would have had massive batteries to run these lights and they didn't have batteries like that in in those days so they had sails on say, them they had uh, guys hanging off their walls so when you and, say and they then were when they wooden asked them, ships you're yeah you're saying they were wooden ships yeah they were just yeah in 1895 then, all those ships that was all wood okay mm, that's interesting we're yeah. talking about and, and so, we're talking but the about thing was, it was, it was very Yeah, in 18, although you look at the airship sightings of 1895, 1896, 1897, the Western United States, middle of the United States, and people, when they talked to the beings on there, they were dressed in weird clothes, which you always hear with aliens. They got these weird clothes on, like the men in black thing. They had weird clothes on, and they asked them, Where are you from? And they said, We're from Mars. And so, the question is, did they fly in on wooden ships from Mars? 
And you go, well, of course they didn't. But in 1895, they might have believed that, that they'd flown in from Mars on these ships. Then it was in the 1940s and 50s. They said, oh, we're from we're from Mars. We're from Venus. We're from the moon. Everybody went, oh, yeah, okay. And they, they sort of believed that. And then suddenly we, we realized, that doesn't make any sense. Then suddenly they said they're from Zeta Reticuli and from the Pleiades. And then when we got into multidimensionality, then they said, oh, we're from the fifth dimension or the, the 11th dimension. And like they would say, uh, take a look at the star map. Where are you on the star map? And the person would say, I don't know. Well, then how can we explain where we are? Or I asked Ron Johnson. I don't know if you've ever had him on. Ron Johnson had encounters. He's documented them, 600 pages of material since the 1960s of his experiences. And I said, Ron, did they tell you where they're from? Did they tell you if they're actually aliens? And he said, I've asked them that question a hundred times and they refuse to answer it. I'll ask them one more time. Or if you take Sherry Wilde, have you ever interviewed Sherry Wilde? So Sherry Wilde produces a book and it's going to be turned into a movie. Sherry Wilde is there and she writes this, but they forced her to write this book. And she doesn't want to write this book because her, her, your family cuts her out and nobody wants to talk to her and stuff like that. And it's ruining the real estate business in, in Wisconsin and stuff. And she takes the book finally to the publisher and the publisher said, Jerry, something's wrong here. You said he's from Andromeda. She said, yeah, that's what Da told. And Da is the being that she deals with. He's from, he's Andromeda. And she he can't, he said, can't be from Andromeda. He's a great. It's gotta be from Zeta Reticuli. She said, really? And he said, yeah, go back and ask him. So he goes, she goes back and says, okay, are you actually an alien? And he said, no, that would not best describe who I am. I'm an etheric being on a mission in the cosmos for the creator. She, I did the first book. I did the book with Nancy Tremaine. Nancy Tremaine was the first abductee. She was before Betty and Barney Hill, about two months before in Michigan. She has the experience. She saw them as reptilians. First, she saw them as reptilians. Then, when, And then I said to her, well, Nancy, you saw them on, when you were 12 years old on the ship, didn't you? you and she called them Mr. Because the Greys were there, and the Greys did this thing where they stuck the needle in her stomach. And then she went, she went, Mister, why did you let them do that to me? And he said, oh, it is perceived. Your pain is perceived. Put the best construction on everything. So she called him Mister. I said, what did he look like? He said he was a human being with uh, ordinary hair, gray, uh, dark hair. And then, I, and, then I, and then later on, she says, then he was an etheric being. The last time she saw him, he was an etheric being uh, uh, wearing a, a cloak like, an, uh, you know, like, like Chris Bledsoe's. Chris Bledsoe first saw the being. He was seven foot bluish green. And then when they took him in 2012, he was this etheric being, like a light being. And so they can change. Or if you've ever interviewed Yossi Ronan, Yossi Ronan is an experiencer out of Israel who had his first experience in, in California in the 1980s. And he was dealing with these beings that looked like grays, except they were green. And they told him, they gave him the concept of one, which is the main message. They gave him this concept of one and all these ideas were coming in his head or whatever. And then he said that they said to him, when we come into your world, we take a body because we need a body to be in there. But we really can take whatever body we want. You can do the same thing. You just don't know it. Exactly what Da said to, to Sherry Wilde, because Sherry Wilde said, well, if you're not from Zeta Reticuli and you're not an alien, like, why do you come as this uh, scary looking gray thing? And he said, scary looking gray thing? You said, do I scare you? And she said, yeah, you scare me. Not only do you scare me, every time you take me, you wipe my memory. And then when you take me again, you scare the living daylights out of me again. And, and then he said, really? You ever look in the mirror, Sherry? And she said, what do you mean? You got those big teeth. Every time you come towards us, we think you're going to eat us. And so they have this conversation. And I've asked lots of people. I ask them, ask the being, are you actually an alien? And then the person will say, I can't really answer. Or they'll they'll dodge the question. And that's the whole thing. If it's, or I, I the last thing I posted was I said, if you take a look at the first um, sort of encounter between a being where they're talking was Adamski. 
And that was a couple day, days after the first detonation of the hydrogen bomb in 1952 in November, when we first tested the hydrogen bomb that could end the world. That's when this encounter took place with Adamski. And they talked about the, the weapons or whatever. But the thing was, you take a look at that and, and the beings there. But before that, I got a whole collection of, of being reports, humanoid reports before that. And what you see is at least 20%, maybe 25% of them are wearing helmets with hoses coming off the helmet. And that, if you look back, is in the comic books and the early movies, the thing that they're projecting what we think we, they want us to see. We are part of it. Or as, as uh, the quantum physicist from Princeton uh, Charles, uh, no, what's his name? Um, John, John Wheeler said, it's a participatory universe. We think there's a world out there and it's in, in uh, affecting us. We don't realize we're part of what we're seeing, that we are part of this whole thing and that the, the aliens seem to be changing their structure as they go along. And that's why I said it was so important, this study that I had heard about, that they're looking at this interdimensionality thing, that this may not be as ET as we think it is coming in. It's pop, as Kit Green says, we were trying to figure out how does it pop in and pop out just as quickly. And it seems to change. It seems to influence people by their, their belief system influences what they see. And that's exactly what she, um, um, Barbara Streisand stepson told me that he had been told by the beings. So um, that's where it's this uh, influencing as for the government thing. I really don't think they have, I think they, you know, they think they won the Vietnam war. They think they got it all under control. I always re refer to, um, the experiments done by Firmage, Joe Firmage. So Joe Firmage had being appeared in his being room. He was like 10 feet tall. And, and Firmage says to him, I want to go to outer space. And the being said, why should we help you? And he said, because I'm willing to die for it. And he starts this thing. He, he has U.S. West, a big billion dollar computer company. He quits and he goes into the UFO thing and he starts this thing with his gyros. I guess they gave him this idea about the gyros. And he's trying to levitate this thing off the table. Ron Pendolfi from the CIA is involved in this and stuff. And I've seen the test. The guy who owned Skinwalker Ranch was in, involved in the test. You can actually see the test. Brand uh, in the back in, in the, in the, as they're testing this thing. And they can't levitate this thing an inch off the table. So he had millions. Uh, somebody said $90 million they spent on this experiment. So why would he not just get it from the government? If they've got all this high-tech stuff, why is he trying to levitate something off the table? I see that Joe Firmage spent $90 million or whatever he spent, and he couldn't levitate something an inch off the table. I'm thinking they probably don't have anything that, that they're, they're claiming they've got all this kind of technology. But I really think that the whatever the intelligence is, they're running the show. That's what Jim Semivan said. Uh, they're ultra-terrestrials. Uh, they created us, and they talk through symbols, and they are in charge. They're running the show. Tiffany, I have a new response to people who ask me why I take Ambien at night. Have a conversation with Grant Cameron, <laughs> and your the shit will noodle in your head all night. Yeah. Well, you know, when it comes to the experiences that I've had, um, I'm not trying to discount them because I, I don't have a reason for why the why I'm getting visited. And, you know, it's, it's, it's not the same person every time. And, and it's very confusing. Yeah. And it's very, um, it's very stressful, for the most part, because I don't know who it is, why are they coming? All I know is, they are disturbing the crap out of me. You know, when you have when you have a whole year, and you're looking at it from from the from the perspective of now. Yeah, I got through the year, but my God, 7,500 of those nights 
we're just blasted with beings that I don't freaking know why they're there. They're just disturbing me, you know. And not the same. And not the same ones. So when I when I I guess I'm I'm at a point where this past week has been obscene. They've really just disturbed me to the to my very core. And I I think I'm just frustrated with it. And and I don't feel like there's any way, like you said, can you go to them the next time they come and ask them, are you an alien? Well, I could probably ask that. Have I asked it before? No, not really. So, you know, that, that could be the first step to figuring out who they are, what they want. I have asked, what do you want? What can I do for you? Why are you in my home? I've already restricted their access to my children because I don't like the idea of having my children involved and I I can't control it. So I have sort of put that on lockdown. And, you know, we, we talked to my daughter the other day and she was very upset that I put it on lockdown because she really did feel like she had a connection to these beings she never felt threatened never but it was more of what was going on with me that i caused the lockdown she She did refer yes she referred to them as friends and she said that when when i put the lockdown on she said it it was like me murdering her best friend is what she said and 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 that is that's so extreme uh, and it's it's almost heartbreaking to hear as a mother. But, you know, I think I I would like to know and I would like to learn their intentions for us as as humans and as individuals. And I think it's a long process trying to figure that out and decipher all of the okay. the myst- the mystery behind it. OK, there there again, it goes to this theory of, wow, that maybe you are you are creating what you are experiencing. If you look at experienced people, they did this study. Why do people have bad near-death experiences and other people have good near-death experiences? And one of the conclusions that came to the people who had the bad near-death experiences were trying to control the situation. They wouldn't let go. The same as in psychedelics. If you've ever done psychedelics and when they shut down the default mode network, when the ego gets crushed, you can go through some ugly stuff if you want to fight it. You mm-hmm. will experience stuff like you have never even imagined what they can do to you. And it's the whole idea. Once you let go and surrender, then boom, it's gone. Suddenly that the, you're out of the hell and you suddenly go into this nirvana state. One of the other things I would point out is that you always have to remember that uh, are we part of this situation? That one of the things they told me I had in 2017, the download had 24 things. And the one was, is the world made out of nuts and bolts? If it is, that's one world and with certain rules and regulations. But if it's made out of consciousness, that's a completely different world. And all the rules are going to change. Is it one life? If it's one life, that's one world. But if it's multiple lives, that's a whole different world. All the rules change. So you have to look at, did you, I always say, all of us came here to be choose to be here at this particular time, at this particular place, in whatever mess we find ourselves in. And perhaps we came in for a certain reason. And that's the whole thing where people will talk about the fact that that's my family. I made an agreement with them to come in. I asked Mary Rock, you to bring everybody back to birth and say, at what point in the past did you agree to be in this situation? How many will say yes? Mary, like 100% will say. And so this is the idea that we came in. So the theory of wow would say, what are they doing? You've got a radio show. 
They got you doing exactly what they want you to do. Just talk about it. Just keep talking about it. And it does the good side, the bad side, whatever, however you see it. But you are raising consciousness by doing a radio show. And the, and if you get into the whole um, reincarnation thing, there may be a situation where all of us sat down before we were born and said, OK, we're going to do this. Uh, Tiffany, you're going to have a radio show and, and Nicole and I are going to come on. We're going to do this show. And it's all pre-planned. That is not as a random world as we think it is. We sort of see ourselves as corks going down a stream and all these things Thank are you. affecting us when, when in fact we have to realize like if your daughter is, has a different attitude towards it, she's getting a different response. So you yeah. have to look at is your response to the beings uh, creating what you're experiencing because that's the has what happens in your death experience. That's the conclusion that they seem to come to was if you, and I know that was with psychedelics because I had that, I, I've done this, I did a whole book on it and I did a whole bunch of high dose uh, experiments and I went through some hellish experiences that you can't even imagine. And they make you think that this is going to last that. forever. You are never getting out of this. And, and, and it was the whole surrender thing was uh the the fighting it as soon as i i stopped fighting it then suddenly it would go away but not until nicole you got anything to say about that yeah i was gonna jump in a little bit because you know how i like to take the grant version and, and then i'm like how can i midwest this up so people <laughs> in corn country can understand this a little bit so <laughs> bring it I I think what Grant said very quickly to kind of sum up is that we have this wow experience, whether it's the sighting or it's a paranormal thing. We have this experience that gets us thinking about our life and reality. So once you start that hunt, for me, it, it started in nuts and bolts. I'm like, I'm going to find a physical answer to this. And now I'm on what people call the woo side, or I've come out as an experiencer and melded all together, which leads you on this inward journey. Instead, I'm going to find this out in outer space. Somebody's visiting. It's like, no, you start to realize that. Like Tiffany, you pointed out, it scares you that you can't control this situation. You've recognized that. I had to recognize it with my son too. And what I wanted to ask you real quick was, or point out to you is they listened to you when you said, yeah, they, they did. So that's Absolutely. Like one thing, you know, you mm -hmm. do get listened to or how it keeps changing. It, it shows you what you need and what you can, can comprehend, but then it might slap you with another lesson. Like Grant pointed out your daughter, obviously, you know, cut off from her best friend. Maybe that's to make you rethink your position on it. And, and that's what we, that's what we came to the conclusion of. We I have this whole yeah. idea that, you know, children involved in this, they don't have all the bullshit filters that, right. adults, you know, whether it's church or your parents or politics or whatever, they don't have that filter. They don't have, they don't look at something and go, Oh my God, cause it looks weird. It's scary. Mm -hmm. You know, like adults do. So, and I know when I started going on my inner journeys with this, that's, well, that's when I had my out of body experience at 25. And then it was like, I have the answers to everything. Oh my God. <laughs> and then I shut it off. I, I was like, what was that? That's just weird. I didn't equate it to ufology at all. And then I started getting into the heist 
and listening to Grant and knowing that there's different contact modalities. Not everybody is going to have the Travis Walton experience. Not everybody is going to be Greer and set in a circle and get people healed. You know, each contact modality is so specific to people. It's like snowflakes or fingerprints. Like it's kind of up to you on that inner journey to find your modality. Who's the guy you talk about, Grant? Like he wakes up, like chugs a glass of water, lays back down for 30 minutes and then like gets up and watches the sunrise. And yeah. <laughs> then he's in the well, field. That, let me make a point on that. Yeah. You're talking about Tyler D from American Cosmic. Mm -hmm. He's the, the top NASA guy. This is the guy yeah. who has 40 inventions that he believes he got from the beings. And wow. um, what you see in, in terms of contact modalities, that a lot of contact modalities, I don't know what the percentage, but it's pretty high. And I write about it in contact modalities is trauma events. People have head injuries. Uh, they have uh, near-death experiences. They have uh, like a lot of mediums have childhood abuse issues and they shut out the physical world and suddenly they're, they're in the field. They're, they're, they're doing this mm -hmm. stuff. And Tyler D had a, an experience. He, it sounded like he was uh, very close to uh, Judy Resnick. So he was with Judy Resnick. He was going with her or whatever. And he watched her blast off from the Cape. He's an engineer with NASA and he watched her die in front of him. And he went into depression. He was uh, very, very highly depressed. And that's when he started having the experiences with the beings. And he told me when, when I saw him the one time with Chris Bledsoe in, at, a at a cabin in Pennsylvania, he said, I'll tell you what, Grant, the, the morning I got that invention and he sold this, this invention with part of a company, he sold it on NASDAQ with, you would not believe the money that they made on this, on this thing. He said, you know, the, the morning I got that, in, that I, in my head that went into the Pentagon. If you've ever read American Cosmic by Diane Pasolka, they, he gets called to the Pentagon and this one star general is yelling, who came up with this idea? And they all pointed at him. It was, it was him, it was him. And, and uh, he thought he was going to get an award and they were, and he had this and it's got to do with uh, medical stuff. It's got to do with um, uh, binding tissue to metal and stuff like that. And he's got 40 different patents or whatever. But he said, the, the morning I got that first invention in my head, the idea, the last thing I remember the night before was a hooded figure standing at the end of the bed. I said, oh, really? Could you see its face? And he goes, no, I couldn't see its face. And then I said, oh, you should be regretted. You should go to Yvonne and get regressed and find out what that was all about. So you see this trauma thing over and over again that a lot of uh, stuff, or if you take a look at, we see things as good things and bad things. If you're looking at the reincarnation world, it's all just experience. So if, and if you take responsibility for what you came in for, then you chose to be born at this place in this time, you used to have the near-death experience. Uh, or in Ray Hernandez used to say, he had this thing where 39% of all people who are experiencers have had a near-death experience. And that's like eight yeah, times I did the that. national I did average. that, I did the, uh the actual testing sure. for that and that was one of the questions and i've had two so yeah. you know i i and and exactly. during those and times exactly. Most you do i was yeah it's crazy so and the question is, is why do so many abductees why two why two one so, so why, why would and... so many experiencers oh <laughs> yeah sorry go ahead no, most most experiences have had more than two, more than one. Most have had experiences. Oh, okay. And, and no, the question is, why, why would why, why would experiencers, so many experiencers have it? Because we're making a false assumption. So that's what I told Ray Hernandez. You're assuming it's a random world. You're assuming it's one life. If it's multiple lives, then we came in and said, 
you know, I think I'd like to have a near-death experience to learn this lesson, to break me into the to break me into the field, to rip the the filter, and I want to be an experiencer because I made an agreement with Grant that we're going to go on this radio show, we're going to do radio shows, and we're going to talk about raising the consciousness of the world. And that's the thing is the way you see it. If you see it as a, a random world, it's one thing. But if you see it as reincarnation, that we have made have agreed to all this stuff, that whatever happens to us is experience, and it's not as as I've said my whole life before I even got into UFOs. It's not what cards are dealt to you. It's how we play the cards. And what we do in most of our lives is we're spent our whole lives trying to get the guy to deal different cards. Quit dealing with those cards. Don't deal me those twos and threes. Deal me kings and aces and, 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 and queens. And we're trying to control it instead of playing the cards we're dealt that we, we, we've all been, if, if we believe in reincarnation, we believe we've come in for a reason. We're all on some sort of mission, whatever it is. And, and according to the way I, understand it from Dr. Michael Newton, who did the life between life stuff. He said all 7,000 people at Herograss basically said the same thing. When you leave the world, they only ask you one question. How did it work out? Because you and I put the people on the stage. We set it up. You can't say, oh, you know, my mother-in-law, the dog ate my homework, uh, this and that. And they're going to go time out. This is about you. You planned it. You put the, you said you were going to do this. You said you're going to do that. And you can't say, Oh, I forgot. Or I would have done it. You know, if, if uh, my mother-in-law hadn't uh, got me upset all the time, I would have done it. And there's no excuses. It's we're, we're in this play on the stage and we're, we've agreed to do certain things. So all we have to worry about is what did we come into the world to do? And are we doing it? And when we, when we leave, then we feel justified that we did the best we can, but we turn it into this sort of victim thing where, we sort of figure that we're uh, products of our environment and we have no, we have, we, we got born at the wrong place and the wrong time and, and all this kind of stuff instead of seeing, especially with experiencers like you and I and everybody, I say this is, I always call it, this is like the Super Bowl of all stories. We are in the, the if you understand what's going on, this is the biggest story that's ever happened in the world. And all of the four people on this call, are in there. We may be the water boy. We may be the quarterback. We're in this game. We got to play 500 years from now. I used to tell Angela Joyner who got lost her job for doing the Stevensville, Texas thing. And she said, no, I don't think I really lost my job. I think we, we just didn't agree. I said, no, Angela in Canada, when you walk in the office and they got your computer and your Rolodex in a box, a cardboard box, and they tell you to leave. That's called getting fired. And so she <laughs> lost her job, and she never got a reporting job again. She lost her job because she backed the witnesses. They said, quit taking the phone calls from these witnesses. Leave them alone. Ignore them. And she lost her job. And I said, Angela, you may be a, a, a trying time right now, but 500 years from now, when everybody knows what this is about, they're going to say, Angela, she was my great, great, great grandmother, and I'm proud she did it. And people are, that's the whole, is sure. we got to realize, yeah, we're absolutely story. This is how, Go ahead, Nicole. this is how you tie in the theory of wow, though. So we have the theory of wow, and it's an awakening for people. And it pushes you forward yeah. to come up, you know, to be your better self, maybe. Because that's what I kind of think. You don't really have a purpose. You just have to be your best self. So, you know, part of that is the yeah. fact that, we, Nicole, you know, you were talking about your child. I've talked about my child. I've talked about my mother and her family and how this has gone back in her family. And mm -hmm. there's there's. There's all there's got to be a reason to the madness. And I do feel like we our family lines are being watched or maybe there's some kind of genetic progression going on. Um, that, there's got to be a reason why it seems so prevalently to run in family lines. Um, but when you said 
that there were crafts be, back in the 18, well. being in the 1800s, that there were these crafts that were coming out and people were seeing them. There's a big, huge wave yeah. of them. My grandfather's sister on my mom's side, she was, she witnessed one of those events. I mean, it was one of the things they're like, oh yeah, well, she's crazy. She saw a UFO and she saw beings. Well, you know what? To me, that means that this has gone back further than, than I thought of it just being with me and my mom. It grew, it went back another generation. So, and I look at it more instead of it being like a biological or a bloodline thing, I look at it more as a, you become awakened at the time you're supposed to be doing your job kind of thing. And by you talking to more of your family members, it, they become more aware of the phenomenon mm -hmm. at large, you mm -hmm. know? So it, it's like, I think families can get comfortable with it, which in my own family, it's like, no, we don't talk about any of this stuff. But as soon as I decided to come out of the UFO closet, it's like, oh, now my aunt here and my aunt here and my cousin over here. It's like, you know, it's like the rings of Kevin Bacon. Which <laughs> is also, it's part of the wow theory. It's like you get your awakening. It's like a trickle down effect of wow. Like other people, people are awakened. Like my second sighting, I've only had two. My second one was a year ago. And I was like doing my own highs. I dance as my contact modality. Grant has some videos of me making an ass of myself. <laughs> Please share. So I dance, Please try share. to get in the field and it's all to raise my vibration. And then, you know, I'm doing this for like four or five months and then finally like it happens. But what was great about it is that people were seeing this for the very first time. They were having their own first wow moment. I got like a confirmation. It was like, oh my God, this is an affirmation. I know I what I saw when I was 15. I'm not a lunatic now. Like, you know, I got that kind of affirmation, but it's also tied into, like Grant was saying, it's like this constant awakening and this constant pushing forward of these social issues and what we can handle. It's showing us what we know to push us forward into this oneness. I mean, we can't accomplish oneness overnight. We know it, it's, you know, anytime we talk about this in the field, people are like, oh yeah, we're supposed to hold the hands and sing Kumbaya and everybody gets along and aliens show up. And we all know that's not how it goes. But there, the phenomenon I think is in it for the longest of the long games. Like, if it has been interacting with us to drive us to what the experiencers say, oneness, you know, and they give us these hints, take care of your planet, take care of yourself, no nukes, you know, oneness and love, yeah. you know? So if they're mush pushing us towards that message, right. they could have been doing it for millennia. So we wanted to talk about music and that's mm -hmm. kind of like a pop culture thing that I think they use. But universe, that's a universal like, language, though, too. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Math, the, well, there's the a point thing, on the whole mathematical part of music. But go ahead. Grant. Yeah, yeah there, there's there's a connection there. That's where I see the world as much less random than most people do. For example, when Nicole played the music and she told me it was Dave Matthews, I said, you're she's dancing 
this UFO is flying and she's photographing this. She's dancing in, in this photograph and daylight things flying around over her head. And I said, Dave Matthews is an experiencer. Dave Matthews, oh, how I really? got into this thing, Chris Bledsoe gave me a message to, to uh, um, he said to me, he said, oh, I got a message from the Guardians for you. I said, oh, really? Cool. What, what's the message? And he said, they want you to know the message is in the music. And I said, well, Chris, you may be talking to the wrong guy because I don't listen to music. I'm not interested in music. I don't play music. I could care less. And he keeps talking. He goes, oh, you should listen to Cashmere by Led Zeppelin. And I go, yeah, whatever, Chris. And then he said, and the other song you listen to is After the Gold Rush by Neil Young. And I said, Neil Young? Neil Young's involved in this? And he said, yeah, Neil Young's involved in this. I live in Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada. And I tell everybody, this is the place in Canada where not even anybody in Canada wants to visit. It's the coldest major city in the world. It's in the middle of nowhere. And, but... Neil Young grew up here. And I said, Neil Young in this. So I started looking. And if you look after the gold rush, it's he it he calls about the chosen ones. We're treating the world like a gold right. rush. When the gold is gone, the silver seed the, the go the it's gonna become a ghost town and the silver seeds are gonna come and take the chosen ones, which is what Yvonne Smith calls the experiencers, off to another star system. And I went, I can't believe this when I saw that. And then all these people, uh, Patty Smith sang it. Uh, uh, and uh, Matthew sang it. All these uh, musicians started singing this song, and I'm going, they don't even know their experiences, and suddenly they're singing the same song, and you start to see this. So when Nicole said, oh, Dave Matthews was the song, I go, this is this is not coincidence that Dave Matthews is, is playing this song. Right. And that's yeah. what you see over and over again is this fact that it's, it, I think it's way less random. I'll give you one example, the best example. If you look at Bud Hopkins, you saw the grace is very negative. If you take a look at his experience, you don't realize that he was there in War of the Worlds. He lived in New Jersey. That's where the the the, the attack was taking place. Right. And right. he was sitting there. He's seven years old and he's in his bedroom. And the neighbor comes in with the gun and he says, the alien, the Martians are coming. They're invading. We're going to the top of the hill. Come on, get your gun. Let's go. We're going to go on top of the hill. We're going to take on these Martians. They're coming in. And, the, and Bud Hopkins' father says, no, no, I don't think we want to go. And Bud is looking out the window and he's he's looking for these these aliens. And he his whole life is they're the intruders because that's how it started for him. These intruders are coming from Mars and all this sort of stuff. And then in the 1960s, tell me this is coincidence. He's driving along with some people from and from uh, he's a painter driving around with these people from from uh, England. And suddenly, boom, there's a flying saucer above the car in plain daylight, and it's just sitting there. And I always ask people when it comes to UFO sightings, I was so. How long was it there? And they go, I don't know, a couple seconds. What was it doing? It wasn't doing anything. And that's Bud Hopkins. What was it doing? It wasn't doing anything. It, and I said, and you ask the people, do you think you it wanted you to see it? And most people say, yeah, I think I was sort of meant to see it. And so Bud Hopkins is looking at this thing, and these people are there, and he's watching this thing, and it's just sitting there. And then the next day, he's absolutely obsessed. He drives back. He reruns the route. How long did he drive? How long was this thing? How high was it? How fast was it moving? And stuff like that. And then in 1975, he has he starts his, his, his thing. This is when they drag him in. This is when they grab him, and they, they yank him into the field. He's sitting there and Bud liked to drink. So Bud was buying his liquor from the corner guy, the corner uh, guy liquor. And the guy says, hey, Bud, I had this really weird UFO experience. And Bud says, really? And he said, yeah. And, you know, Close Encounters of the Third Kind where the guy's driving and all of a sudden there's these lights behind him and the, the lights go. He, see, he thinks it's somebody coming and behind him. And then all of a sudden the lights move up 
and they go across the top of the car. That's the story. That's where it comes from. It comes from Bud's guy that was selling him the scotch. And it goes across and it comes in front of the car and then it goes and lands in the field. This is 1975 in front of this condo complex. And according to the guy who's selling the liquor, the aliens got out with shovels and started digging holes. Now, come on. They started and it's like they're digging holes. So Bud, of course, goes, really? So he goes and he goes to the site where this guy says, and there's these 15 holes dug in, in the ground. And then what he the goes to the hell were they digging holes the, for? The, the exactly. That's the whole thing. It's the theory of, wow, they're dragging wow. him in. It's, he was so obsessed with this thing. It doesn't make any sense. Aliens don't have shovels. They don't dig holes. <laughs> they were dragging Bud into the thing. He goes to the guy who's the, the, the security guard at the complex. And he said, did you see anything? Yeah, we saw this light out there the other night. And then Bud is obsessed and he starts the whole thing of doing the research and he gets dragged in. Same as me. I had no intention to see a UFO. I went out. I thought it was like the buying the lock and I'm never going to see anything. The thing flew right in front of the car. I took a hundred people out. Nobody was ever affected. Me, I just went, oh my God, I couldn't believe what I had seen. I was like, and, and I just went off the deep end and they have to realize, was that planned? Because what happened to me when I realized that my initial sighting wasn't planned was we were supposed to go in February of 1975. These things were flying around all over the place in this small town in the middle of nowhere. And I said, let's go see what they're looking at. And we never went. And then in May of 75, the local TV crew caught this thing. You know the Nimitz story where it drops from 80,000 pounds to sea level in seven days a second? This is the opposite. It's in a documentary called UFOs. A, um, I think it's in UFOs that has begun. Nicole can maybe correct me, but it's the it, it jumps from the ground up to 5,000 feet in three frames. So in one eighth of a second, it goes from the ground to 5,000 feet in the air. Yeah. And there's a TV crew that's trying to film this. There's a bunch of TV crews out there trying to film this thing. So the one TV crew goes out there. They almost get it. They go back to the producer. The producer says, okay, that's enough. Enough of this UFO nonsense. Nobody's going out anymore. I'm not paying any more overtime. You idiots want to go out and chase UFOs, you can go on your own. So the next night, they decide, they, they almost got it that night. So they said, we're going to go out. <sighs> so they take out and they take out the, the tier guys and the camera guy, they have no cameraman. So they bring out a guy who's a film film editor. He's never shot a camera before in his life. In the 1970s, there were huge cameras, these TV cameras. So they take out the camera, and this guy's sitting on the road, and they see the thing at the far end of the road. So they go, and they, they surround it. Two cars go and surround it, whatever. And the one gets really close, and it sees this thing sitting on the, on the ground, and it's like a movie screen. It's 50 feet high. It's not touching the ground. And then they look around to get their bearings, and the thing's gone, and they're going, Where'd it go? They thought it disappeared and actually had to, had to jump this 5,000 feet in the air. But the guy, here's the thing. The guy at the other end has never shot a TV camera. I'm interviewing him a couple years later. I'm trying to get a copy of this film off of him, this uh, 12 inches of film where this thing jumps across and it flies across the sky. And he says, you know, I was sitting there, I was looking through the viewfinder and I said, you know, they didn't get anything the night before. I got to get something on camera. So the, the thing was glowing up and it was glowing back down. It was sitting on the ground and it glowed and it glow. said, the next time it glows up, I'm going to shoot. And then he says, as he pushed the trigger, the thing jumped in the air. And, and, and then 20 years later, I'm going, that wasn't random. That, that thing was sitting. Are you waiting? You ready? Ready to shoot? Here I go. And the thing jumped in the air and he caught this. I would never have gone if it hadn't been because that film went viral in the city where I live. And they did an eight minute documentary. They had frame by frame and they were all excited about this thing. And then I said, come on, let's go. Let's go see what they're doing. And then I'm thinking back when I think back 20 years later, I go, they wanted me out there. That's why they got caught on the ground. That's why they allowed them to take this film because I never would have gone and I never would have done 12 books and done all 
to sit and spent my basically I've spent my whole life. I just worked just to make money to do this. And I've done it almost <laughs> full time since 1975. I got obsessed because somebody had this film, which in the end, I don't think it was random that this was. And that's why I start to say is the, the sightings that you see may not be as random as people think they are. We used to think in 75 because we used to think in 75, if you saw a UFO, you were crazy. But if you saw two UFOs, if you actually claimed that you had seen a second UFO, even the people in the UFO community wouldn't talk to you. Like you were, because it was believed to be random. Then we suddenly realized that experiencers are lifers. That if there's an experiencer who's had an encounter, you regress them and you find out they were in the crib and they, they've had beings their whole life. We now know it's a pattern through life. It's not a random event that people are being chosen as, as they call it. Uh, the the song after the gold rush the chosen or what Yvonne Smith calls mm -hmm. the chosen ones that people are chosen to see this and maybe for a reason that we are to do whatever mission so you're doing the show you're doing you're raising consciousness by doing the show and that's what they want and same as Sherry Wild so Sherry Wild they they the story was that she didn't want to do the she had no intention of telling the story it was a horrible experience she tried to commit suicide a number of times she was horrified by this experience and and she said one day she comes home and the computer's open and the word program's on she like i've never used the word program what's the word program doing open and she looks and it's three and a half pages in and it's her story and she goes oh no we're not going there no way and then, and then wow. she goes, she reading it. So that looks pretty good. So then she, she writes the book, puts it in. And then she says she's driving along the road. And suddenly there's a 3D holographic uh, picture in front of her. And you know, it's like a TV screen in front of her. And she's going, what are you doing? I'm driving. Can't you see I'm driving? You, what are you showing me that for? And they said, it's the first scene in your movie. And now she's got a movie. They're trying to do a movie or a series on her thing. And they dragged her kicking and screaming all because she, she had her daughters would not talk to her. I've got a lot. Nancy Tremaine is not allowed to see her grandkids. You see this over and over again that a lot of people, their family has no interest. I always say when people, I say, get used to it. That's the pattern. They want you to keep your feet on the ground so they don't put you in la-la land. They put you against an opposition of people who make you fight. My whole family, I, I always say, I, I'm very cautious about where my files go when I die because my son would throw them in the garbage the next day. He has no interest. He was a pilot. He had UFO sightings, had ghost sightings, but he's not interested. And that is the ba basic pattern. So we have to maybe realize that we maybe chose this. We came into the world and we take responsibility for it, that maybe we chose to do what actually is happening here. And then the, sort of the fear goes away. That, and that's what people will say in, in any sort of therapy. When you take responsibility for it, then the healing begins. But as long as you can't take responsibility for what's happening, it will always be a fight between the ego and whatever's going on around you. You know, I always feel like I'm not the reason uh, that this is going on. It's not because of me. It's because of my children. It's yeah. it's it's the next generation. They're 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 in my life, watching, waiting, guiding, maybe, and and the the reason is for the next generation. It has nothing to do with me, other than the fact that I do feel like we have to get this information out. We have to let more people know this is a this is a human issue it's not just like five people around the planet that are just nuts this is something that's happening all over the world to all different types of people all walks of life and i think that people need to know this is this is contact that's been going on for thousands of years too this is nothing new this is something that's yeah. been going on and in now we're in an age where we can share our stories we can share our information so much easier than it's ever been
This is the age where you can put in one word and pop up 500 videos talking about alien abduction or talking about visitation or talking about. That's this week's episode of the Paranormal UFO Consciousness Podcast. I'm your host, Grant Cameron, hoping that you will join me for upcoming episodes. Links to my YouTube interviews, books, and my Facebook sites are in the show notes. If you love the podcast or learn something valuable, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, or give a review on today's episode. If you would like a certain paranormal subject dealt with in the future, please let us know. Until next time, watch this space, and thank you so much for listening.